Welcome back to the Beer O'Clock Podcast. I'm Dylan Toon. I'm Angus Norris. And we are here to bring you all of the outdated news and important views from the locked down beer world, but uh, not locked down for too much longer by the sounds of it, at least hopeful. At least hopefully. We shouldn't uh, count our chickens till they hatch and all of that. No, let's do it. <laughs> we, we deserve it. Um, we sort of a little bit late this month, just had some general life things going on. Yeah, yeah, I've renovated my kitchen, which has been fun, work stuff. <laughs> yeah, so just just generally, uh, we have all been kind of busy. Um, well, I'm also being not busy at all, because we can't leave our house. <laughs> yeah, but uh, busy on a, on a boring level, not in a social way. Yeah. Um, I, I've had exams personally, so that has been my biggest excuse, just because you don't want to hear me recording in the middle of exams, panic and stress. No, no, it's much better this for, this way. Yeah, post-exams, where I'm in the, the sort of uh, euphoric bliss of finishing but not knowing how badly I've done as of yet. <laughs> um, VB Perfume, fastest-selling perfume of all time in Australia, according to Chemist Warehouse. Isn't that amazing? We spoke that about it. it last time and I thought we needed to update the listeners. <laughs> So, VB, uh, thank us later for the advertising. You can um, see you. I'm looking can... forward to the royalty check. Yeah. Send us a couple slabs, just not a VB. <laughs> um, quick congratulations to the Beer Healer for winning the Aussie Beer Pods Championship for this year. Um, great work by those guys and by the Aussie Beer Pods. I want to say team, but I think it's just one guy. Yep. I think it's, um, I'm going to get it wrong. It's Steve or Steve-O from the Sunday Sesh podcast. Yeah. But wonderful work on both counts and well-deserved. Beer Healer was one of the first guys, uh, I used to read his website and posted some cool articles back in the day and he was one of the first beer guys that I was sort of aware of in terms of, I think I used to read him before like the Crafty Pint and stuff. So um, yeah, good on him. I'm glad. Yeah, super, pa- super passionate and his interview styles are awesome. You can yeah. see why people like it. Very much so. Uh, it's a nice, easy podcast today. Lots of news. Simple stuff, no super special segments, except for ranking a blogger. So we've got the important ones covered. Uh, we'll get straight into the news, I think. Yep, let's go. Now, Victoria finally has a path out of lockdown. That is November 2nd. Yeah, I think it comes in November 1, 11.59pm or something. Yep, so uh, I'll meet you at the pub. Midnight. Yeah, midnight? Midnight? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> But is yeah, the curfew gone yet? I think it's gone. But, yep, it's gone. <laughs> Who knows? It's gone. Uh, 20 indoors, 50 outdoors, obviously, depending on size. Yeah, and so there's issues with that again. So 20 indoors means if you've got two rooms, you can have 20 indoors because it's 10 per room and all that sort of stuff. It is still a positive step forward, and as long as we can go to Wheat Gang and Westside and all our favourites, um, it'll be fun to see how people divide up their place so they have rooms. Yep, exactly. When I got to Bodrigi in the middle of our two lockdowns, very briefly, they were dividing theirs with barrels. Yeah, and I think which I'm we'll not see sure how that. legal that is, but close enough. They're trying. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you're going to be punished if you're having a crack at it at the moment. No, exactly. As long as your heart's in the right place, I think, and you have a COVID safe plan, that's about all you can ask for. Yeah, exactly. But God, I'm excited to have a beer at a pub again. Yeah, me too. I honestly don't really care which one it is. Just wanna, just wanna do it. I'll go drink shit, Carlton, somewhere. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. 
just having someone else pour it for me would be nice. And um, yeah, just doing it somewhere that isn't my couch. Yes, that is also important. Uh, Vic Brewers excluded from COVID hospo grants, roughly on the same note. Um, I think they are working towards having a look into this, but uh, yeah. So at Dan's own. press conference on Friday, I think it was, um, the Channel Ten reporter asked him about it, um, and he said he was going to look into it for everyone. Um, but I thought his quote people had like talking about craft beer. It's a thing. It's a big thing. They are the best of their kind in the world, I'm told. <laughs> Who told him that? Uh, I don't know. Probably someone off stage, but apparently the cameraman at the back of the room nodded and gave him the thumbs up. <laughs> well, hey, look, um, I don't know if I would agree, but we're getting there. Yeah, exactly. We are getting there. We can definitely hold our own. Um, yeah, some of the stuff coming out of Victoria at the moment is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's um, the real... Lockdown's been good for beer releases, I will say. Exactly. Um, but the hospital grants are affecting about 30 to 40 brewers in Victoria, um, and they're basically the ones who only have a producer's licence. Um, unlike other states in Victoria, your producer's licence allows you to have a small hospitality offering. Yep. Um, and so it's guys like the Mill and Boat Rocker and stuff like that who are affected. Okay. So it's... Is this is the problem the ones that don't have a hospo element? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the grant that they're talking about is specifically for people with a hospo, um, with the specific hospitality license, in addition to their producer's license. Okay. Yeah. Um, so basically, it covers cafes. Um, anyone who doesn't have their brewery on site, or if for some reason they've got a they've bothered to get a separate hospitality license maybe for events or something at their at their brewery site. Okay. So it's yeah, not quite as inclusive. One of those things that's probably an oversight rather than anything malicious, we hope. Yeah, and I think they'll probably get this sorted. You know, they've been so flexible with moving different grants around. Yeah. I think it'll sort itself out. Um, they employ enough people, I think, that it's an that, easy easy that's tick. That's why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lion have announced the closure of West End Brewery. Yeah, so West End is going to stop being brewed in South Australia for the first time since 1859, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Regardless Uh, of what you think of West End, that is uh, historical significance. Yeah. um, So they're closing the plant in June 2021. Um, They didn't say it in the release, but you'd assume COVID has to have played some sort of role here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they did mention that they've been well below capacity for a long time, um, sort of highlighted by uh, reducing shifts in the middle of 2018, which effectively was 36 jobs. The Crows have one bad season, and this is what happened. (laughs) Um, Lion have owned West End since 1993 as well, so it's not like they've taken it over recently. Yeah, and then just kicked them out. And canned it, yeah. Yeah. And they did a big a big uh, revamp of the brewery in, I think, 2013 or something like that. So clearly they've had a crack. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they're doing the right thing um, by the South Australians, or at least trying to. Um, they're going to continue all their sports sponsorship, which is pretty big over there. Yeah. Um, they're still going to make West End, um, and they've put a million-dollar reskilling fund in, and they're going to have a lot of outplacement support tr- 
help and working with the South Australian government to get all their employees jobs. Good. That's um that's all you can really ask. You're allowed to close down brands but try to do the right thing while you're doing it, I guess is the idea. Yeah, exactly. And it'll just be interesting if South Australians um still embrace the brand or if they move somewhere else. Look looking at a lot of things, I think it's um I know that some things are more parochial than others, but to be honest, I think most people don't notice. Yeah, I, I think on the whole most people won't notice. But jobs in South Australia is a pretty touchy subject, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, that is true. Although we did have the whole thing with um the I'm pretty sure it was C E B, apologies if not, uh with the firing and then rehiring of people at lower wages. Uh big brouhaha about that last boilermaker boilermakers, I think. Yeah. It was some it was some specific trade. Yeah, and um, I heard a lot of people saying they were going to boycott and that didn't go too far. Not saying that people don't put the money where their mouth is necessarily, just saying that people do have short memories when it comes to the beer they drink. Yeah. Behemoth are looking to expand again. I feel like we talked about this recently. Yeah, so they just finished, I think it was a $2 million crowdfunding. Yeah. Um, And they got open for, I think, two weeks before they got shut down by COVID. (laughs) Um, and they are crowdfunding again, looking for one and a half million dollars this time, um, and um, moving their model from more of a brew pub with their sort of core range beers brewed offsite to bringing almost all that production in house. That's cool. Yeah, so they're expanding next door. Going to put a packaging line in there, stuff like that. Expect to brew about eighty percent of their stuff on site, um, and that the. the Crowdfunding is looking at storefront neighbourhood venues, which I assume means like a bar. Yeah, it, it has to, but it's it's an interesting concept. Yeah, so they were still going to have their kitchen at their main brewery and their brewery at their main brewery, obviously, and just ship the beer and the food out to those venues. So it's a bit... Okay. It'll be interesting to see how that actually plays out. Yeah, um... It sounds like a very small scale sort of expansion, like group of, I guess like some of these other places who are opening secondary facilities and stuff, it's kind of like that, except it's not really a facility. They're just opening the hospitality part. Yeah, which is an, inter- an interesting move. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily, it's an, in- yeah, I don't think it's a bad one. Um, if the market's there for it, then yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they were also moving into areas of Auckland, which were difficult to get into for hospitality because of you know how the new zealand system has weird trusts and things like that yeah 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 um and the other thing is that this crowdfunding is open to international investment because the last one you had to be a new zealand citizen and i know there's a lot of um behemoth fans in australia yes definitely um chur fans yes Gab's officially deferred until next year in the world's least surprising bit of news. No, we've been saying this, I think, since they originally moved them back to November or whenever they moved them back to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would have been... Uh, we'd be over six months we've been saying this for now, I think. Yeah, you... And that's not to say that we're, we're saying anything particularly special. I'm sure most people have been saying that. Yeah, I think we took a more um, cautious view than a few other outlets who thought that november would be okay is literally the worst situation you could imagine right now there's nothing worse there's literally nothing worse than the bfs if you've been to gabs you know why (laughs) 
Um, official dates for next year, Brisbane the 17th of April, Sydney 7th to 8th of May, Melbourne 21st to 23rd of May, ending Good Beer Week, and Auckland the 3rd of July. Not impossible. I'll be slightly more positive about that. I don't know if we'll have full numbers because we'll be yeah. just coming into winter, but we'll see. <laughs> All depends on, I guess, um, other factors. factors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge. Yeah, exactly. But not impossible. Um, ticket holders can get either a refund, they can hold on to their ticket, it'll still be valid, or they have the option to convert it, I think, to a different session and they can get a paddle on them. According cool. to the email, yeah. Oh, well, that's good, as long as they're honouring something. They're also hoping to get a beer garden outdoor event off the ground over summer, which will be interesting. Cool. Um, abiding by all the government restrictions. It does seem like, what was that? Uh, there was there's one, it was one late last year, an outdoor beer festival. I can't remember what it was called. It was in Melbourne. Yeah. Um... Uh... Should, should know this. Beer, beer Fest is, I think, in the early months of the year, which is held in... That like might be what I'm thinking of. Yeah. That that sounds right. Because I'm just thinking this is the perfect kind of environment to look at those a bit more. Yeah. Things like that. Um, yeah. And something that's a bit more chilled out as well. Yeah. I mean, pretty much everything's more chilled out than Gab's, but... Um, yeah, look. Uh, good on them for, I guess just pulling the trigger because it was going to happen one way or another. Yep, and, and it's good they did it before they were forced to do it. Yep, and way. looking forward to having it back next year so I can not go again. More <laughs> venues for breweries. Mountain Goat uh, launched Newtown. Yeah, Newtown's a weird area for Mountain Goat, I would have thought. It's sort of like a cool hipster area of Sydney. I could see it working. Yeah, it's. I'm not sure how the brand will play. Like, how do you get that... Melbourne warehouse vibe that Mountain Goat has into Sydney. I guess they'll find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, be enough marketing money behind it. I do think that Mountain Goat has crossed that threshold where they are um, almost, you know, a hipstery brand now because they're kind of old school craft. Like, you see a yeah. lot of people who used to drink Melbourne Bitter drinking Summer Ale nowadays. Summer Ale's a good beer. It is, yeah. But I think it, it is. It will hit that market pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Potentially, I'm really keen to check that one out, that venue out when um, we're allowed to go outside again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amongst amongst many others. Uh, Lost Palms opening in Brisbane in yeah, Sherwood. Thought, yeah, I thought I'd mention this because we had a couple of their beers up on the Gold Coast. Having yeah, quite nice. Never never heard of them, but were quite impressed. Yeah, no, I, they were a lot better than your know, every day sort of craft brewery. They, they, I remember them well enough to be like, oh, Lost Palms, I like them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know anything about the area, Sherwood, other than that it's 20 minutes west of Brisbane. Yeah, look, I don't either. Yeah. If it's north or south, I might be able to help, but <laughs> east and west, not really. Yeah, Brisbane, Gold Coast, that sort of makes sense. Yep, yep. Checks out. Um, and I guess, I don't know how many venues are actually. There's more in Brisbane now, but I feel like it's definitely not overcrowded. No. You could fit another one in there and you'd be fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Black Hops have bought Semi Pro, and this is kind of a venue mentioned um, because they're rebranding it as Black Hops Brisbane. Yeah, which will be interesting. It's not something I particularly saw coming. Yeah, um, 
Black Ops, I still, because of their the way they came up with their whole very open sort of vibe, telling everyone everything, you know, um, with their blog and their book and stuff, I sort of still think of them as a little guy, even though, you know, Black Ops 2 is massive and all that. Yep. Right. And they've got AWOL beer coming on the way as well, which is their barrel thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess this kind of cements them as a big player. Yeah, I wonder if... Um, COVID hit semi-pro harder than than some others, and on the plus side, saw an opportunity. Yeah, I, can, I imagine that semi-pro uh, would probably be fairly well taken care of in terms of their staff and stuff. Imagine Black yeah. Hop would probably want to keep the community vibe going. I think the brewer was staying on. Yeah, that makes I think sense. I read that, and I assume they'd keep Hospo staff and stuff like that. Yeah, they don't seem like the type who would. Uh, Keep people, people out. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's easier to keep competent staff than find new staff. So. Yeah. Uh, speaking of places we went to on the Gold Coast, Bolter have launched the Big Slab. We didn't go to the Big Slab, but we went to Bolter. Yeah, so this is just Bolter being Bolter, I suppose. Um, in the tradition of big things on the side of the freeway around Australia, they've um, launched a billboard, effectively, that's called the Big Slab. I was a little disappointed it wasn't just a gigantic styrofoam slab or something, but um, yeah, same. It would have been. I feel that would have been a better uh, tourist point, seeing as they're looking to stimulate the tourist economy uh, and raise money for hospital workers in Queensland through tip jar. Yeah, which is a um. I don't know. It's, it's a noble effort, regardless of yeah, how effective you think it might be. Um, they are giving away 100 sides of beer to the first 100 people who take a selfie with the big slab and post it on Instagram. So that would have been done weeks ago. But, you know, go do it anyway, just yeah, in exactly. case. <laughs> They're also yeah, no, selling no. merch, which is going li- to go live shortly with all um, profits going to tip jar, which is good. Yeah, noble of them. Um, yeah, which putting is their... their uh, Money where their mouth is. Putting CUB's money where their mouth is. Um, Brewdog on the hunt for bar locations in Brisbane, Melbourne and Sydney. Yeah, fresh off um, just releasing their package beer in Australia for the first time. Yep. Uh, looking for um, venues to join their other 80 worldwide bars. I haven't seen any of their stuff as of yet, but I'm looking forward to trying some Australian brewed, uh, Brewdog. Yeah, so am I, because Punk, when it's fresh, is a brilliant beer. Yeah, and I haven't, haven't had an Elvis juice or a Dead Pony in a while. Yeah. I wonder if they stopped um, importing them when Brisbane was sort of getting up getting and running, close. a bit of free space. Yeah, look, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, they are looking for bars that are between 500 and 1,000 square metres, plus having an external roof space. Oof. Yeah, it's a good size. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a few cinemas they could buy. Um, and the t- the bottom line in that article was that Brewdog Brisbane were hoping to have alcohol-free beers up and running in quarter one, 2021. Nice, which segues nicely into our next piece of news, which is a um, whole bunch of non-alcoholic stuff coming out. Yeah, I was really interested by the amount of stuff coming out. It's picking uh, up, for sure. Yeah, a lot. So we've got Modus Operandi launching Nort, Holgate doing Love All, which I really like as a name for a um, a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, tennis reference in case. Uh... 
people Those aren't picking it up. Know. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last one, which I've got listed here, which is the Australian Sport Brewing. Okay. Um, they've got a whole heap of sort of health benefit claims on their website, which I was thinking was dodgy initially from like an ABAC point of view, but then I thought it's a non-alcoholic beer. So yeah. So does it fall under the ABAC code? More healthy than most sodas, I guess. I think well, it's more it would based be. beverage than, yeah. Oh, well, it's leaning into that whole German sort of mindset, isn't it, of um, using them as isotonic kind of drinks. Yep. Um, yeah, look, I'm... I'm Intrigued to see all of these. Um, I've been seeing a lot more of them around. Uh, what was? Do they sell in in trade? Um, yeah. Look, it's mostly the big brands still, but there is there is stuff picking up. Um, I have heard anecdotally that Heaps Normal have been doing well. I've got Heaps Normal listed here as the one that I reckon's the best sort of new world example out there. Like yeah. I still think the the German wheat beer ones are the best ones. Yeah. For me, anyway. No, I think that they're definitely the most sort of flavoursome ones. But yeah, it's um, it's it's cool stuff, and I think we'll see more and more development in that sort of sphere. Um, and yeah, look, I think I think they do sell, and they'll keep selling more. And it's just um, the growth of non-alcoholic spirits as well. It just kind of all goes hand in hand. I think. Yeah, it means people can go to a bottle shop, if even if they don't want to drink, which I think is good for everyone. Yeah. The other thing I'll say about Australian sport brewing is that it's brewed at Holgate. Um, and I find it quite interesting that Holgate invested in that space, uh, considering that they sort of started that development probably two and a half years ago. Yeah, would have been. That'd be reading the tea leaves to get non-alcoholic stuff, equipment in for non-alcoholic back then. Yeah, maybe they had all the plans or something. Um mm. Who knows? It might have just been something they always want to diversify with in terms of being able to do contracts and things. Um, otherwise, yeah, very good foresight, I think. Yeah. If not... Um, good, if not good fortune. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of both, perhaps. Mm. Uh, following up on the Local Lover campaign BWS ran, which we spoke about last time, there was about 50,000 votes. Uh, the winners have been announced there's it's Akasha in New South Wales, Three Ravens in Victoria, Little Bang in South Australia, Ether in Queensland, Plenty Cider in Tasmania, and Wilson in Western Australia. So a couple names I know. Uh, well, honestly, all the names except for the last two. Um, but, yeah, some cool. Good to see Ether. Good to see a Little Bang. It's great for them. Um, Akasha and Three Ravens, possibly not like that as small, but um, definitely good things to have in mainstream bottle shops. Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting, um, the wording of this. So originally it was talking about getting more local products stocked in BWS. And then in the, this announcement, they had uh, more local products being stocked or stocking them in stores further afield. Yeah. So I assume that Akasha and Three Ravens were both stocked already nearby. Yep. They, um, they are... Three Ravens is definitely at uh, the Coles branded ones. I'm pretty sure they are at Dan Murphy's and stuff too. Yeah, I think I've seen Acid at Dan's. Yeah, yeah, Acid and Juicy. I'm pretty sure are yeah. both there. Um, but look, it's if we get means we get more weird Three Raven stuff in there possibly, and also BWSs are smaller and more. You know, they do go a bit more regional. Yeah, and they do have more sort of autonomy over what they can get. Yeah. So um, um, yeah. 
The thing I did also find in there that was intriguing is that BWS said they've had a 15% uptick in sales of local products since the inception of the campaign. Good. It's good for everyone. Just like we were saying about the campaign, it's um might be sort of not done from the goodness of their hearts necessarily, but it, in the end it works for everyone. So I'm very happy about all of that. Yeah, and a final tidbit from that press release is that they called Mel- uh, Three Raven Melbourne's oldest independent brewery, which it might is... might fact check on that. Well, I, I thought the same thing, and I went back and looked at the year of the local timeline that I've got floating around, and arguably they're right, because the only two Melbourne breweries that are older are Mountain Goat, who are now owned by Asahi, and the Crafty Squire in the city, which is owned by Lion. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, they have been around for a while. Yeah, oh, but it, it, we've made, it scratched, made me scratch my head for a minute or two before I thought about it. Yeah, I guess now that I think about it, they have been there for a long time, and a lot of the other ones aren't open anymore, or they've been bought. So Yeah, exactly. They've rebranded themselves well enough that they don't feel like that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I wouldn't think of them as existing since 2003. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have thought that either. Um, I think it's worth sort of mentioning that we, just to follow up on that um, sort of Coles local thing that we mentioned, hasn't been quite as big of a campaign, but there is some stuff popping in, like um, Exit is now stocked at Victorian first choice liquor markets and vintage sellers, things like that. It's good to see um, more of it, please, big companies. Yeah, exactly. And as long as they keep it in a reasonable nick, that can only be good. Well, that's that's the worry. Um, This is where it's really going to get difficult, I think, is... We always talk about it, but I think it it's just something that they don't consider that much and that small breweries are going to really consider. So I think the trick is to probably do what uh, Black Hops and stuff do and just put really short best before dates on there. Yeah. Just so they yeah. literally chuck it out if it's... Um, and the if, other thing is just having it on their site as the um, direct-to-consumer, you know, the from the supplier option. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, yeah Dan, Dan's doing that is great because... Um, I don't know how their free shipping with all that works. I don't know if they subsidise that part of it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I assume the brewer gets slugged a percentage of or something. Either way, they're well priced, and yeah, it's a good way to get it. And um, yeah. it's a nice little feature, and it's better that they <laughs> let the let the suppliers do it. Oh, exactly, exactly. Better for everyone. Yeah. Um, all right, so on to the tasting paddle. Uh, Bath House's Hop Report released, which is... Is that their annual report? That's their annual report, yeah. Um, um, I look forward to this every year. It's sort of like a geopolitical thing that encompasses the hop, the hop report. Yeah. And, it's like, what impacts the geopolitical climate will have on hops for the year, as well as having um, details about, you know hop acreage and alpha acid production and all that sort of stuff. Interesting to see that we um, produce apparently the 28th most beer in the world from... Uh, yep, that's 20, what it said. Yep, uh, just just below Nigeria and yep, South Korea. country with, uh, what, six or seven times the population, Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, we're doing, doing pretty well for ourselves, I think. Punching above our weight. Yeah, yeah. Um, this looks really interesting. I only very briefly flicked through it, but um, if there's any special call-outs you'd like to make, or are you yeah, just... couple of couple of little tidbits, and we'll put the link in the show notes so people can peruse it at their you know own 
own time, own yeah. pace. Um, uh, hop production was up for the last year. It's the most acreage for over two decades worldwide. That's cool. Um, and they predict that beer production will not return to last year's levels till at least 2022 because of the COVID pandemic. Thinking They're predicting an 8 to 14% product reduction worldwide in beer production. Interesting. I'm uh, willing and to... That'll obviously, that, yeah. that'll obviously have an impact on hop growers. And well, also a lot of them lost their crops in Australia and stuff. Um, a few overseas from memory too. Yeah. Um, but seems to have held up okay in that regard. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, obviously... Sales are still fine, but yeah, it's it's the smaller ones who are probably going to feel it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anything else with that one? No, no. That's there. There were a few little tidbits, like the biggest hop in China is called the Tsingtao flower. <laughs> I like that, and that was about eighty percent of their hop production, or something. There's some <laughs> great stuff in here, like there's um alpha acids by year and stuff like that how yeah. hops are changing it's it's worth we'll chuck a link in the show notes it's really fascinating stuff yeah Definitely a lot of good it. stuff you can read about slovenian hops which is always um one of those things i find fascinating that a country like that West. is so important in hop production and things like that just looking at the, the china thing it's um just amazing that like craft brewing over there would just be it'd be tricky You'd be importing a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, I think they had four hop varieties from memory on that report. Yeah, uh, and they've got a lot of lot of bitter and aroma. Yeah, which is could just be <laughs> generic. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, good, if, interesting stuff. Um, definitely worth a read. Uh, Fall and Rise Brewing, the small Melbourne contract brand, up for sale and now sold. Yeah, so they were a uh, COVID casualty about a month ago because. Um, Giannis, who was the brewer, uh, was moving back to Greece to look for more work. Yeah, it's just a shame. Um, really cool stuff, their first few beers. Yeah, that um, Irish dry stout they did is was really nice. Like no. I, I thought all their beers were nice. Yeah, Hoppy Kolsch was super smashable. It was, it yeah. was, they were showing a lot of promise. Yeah, so that's they a shame. were. Um, but as of yesterday, when we're recording this, uh, they've announced that they've got a new buyer for the business. Um they're getting their feet under the desk, etc., and all be updating us, you know, in due course. All the best to them. Yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting to see if um, Petros, who was the remaining brewer, is, uh, remaining founder, is staying on or or if he's going. Yeah, well, they were selling the recipes with it, so it would probably really be up to the new owners and him to, to hash that out and discuss Um yeah, yeah, it'll exactly. be interesting. We'll, we'll keep an eye out. Uh, club Brewing have gone. If you don't know what Club Brewing is, don't worry. You're probably not the only one. But I was a bit sad to read this because I thought what they did was cool and I had been interested how they'd survive for a long time in general. Yeah, probably their model's really times. interesting. Like yeah. It's, it's so different. Like They only sell their beers as a subscription model uh, where you sign up and they do collaborations with other brewers brew on other people's kits and yeah don't sell via retail it's and they're all unique beers and stuff too yeah yeah it's um it was really interesting and um it's it's a shame when something like unique like that goes under 
Yeah, you just um, that they've only announced it by email. Like their website's still up, their Facebook, you know, all their socials are still up, and there's no mention of it. It's quite odd how they've done it. Maybe but, there's something else in the works, perhaps. Yeah, who knows exactly what's going on there? Might just be leaving their options open, I guess. Yeah, but they did say it was due to COVID and their inability to uh, get out and do collab- stuff collaborate effectively. Yeah, and fair enough too. Yeah. Um, Pirate Life and Dilma, which is one of the strangest collaborations seen in a little while. They have done a brown ale with Dilma tea. Yep, and that's basically why we're mentioning it, because we've mentioned a few strange collaborations in recent recent months, and this one is may top the top the list. Yeah, and it's trickling around random venues in Victoria, um, so you can get your hands on some. It'd be interstate as well. There'd be obviously quite a few lot in South Australia. You'd assume so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you'd like it, uh, it will be around at the moment, so keep your eyes out. We're going to attempt to source some, and hopefully we can chat about it in the future. That'd be good. Uh, Four Pines have joined 1% for the planet. Yeah, so I'd never heard of 1% for the planet until I came up with this story. Um, but basically it's a a global movement of getting businesses to support local environmental solutions. Yep. Which is uh, always good. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're giving 1% of the revenue from their extra refreshing ale to Take Three and Organic Matters, who are both Australian um, environmental causes. Yeah, and I have I have noticed that branding is reasonably prominent on the uh, Freshie. I haven't tried one yet, but I've seen it around. Yeah, I was surprised at how um, prominent that was on the label. Another one of those things that Good for Four Pines to tap into that market. Good for the um, causes they're supporting. Everyone wins. Yeah, there's there's no downside to this. Uh, dollar Bill Cellar Door is edging closer. So that's in Bendigo, and I think they're going for a La Serene kind of model, appointment-y. Yep, so they are selling 40 slots per day for 5 bucks um, out of pocket. So kind of like Black Arts, actually. Like sort of, you pay like a nominal fee, and then you can buy more stuff there. Yeah, exactly. Just um, to make sure you show up. Um, I was very keen on us having a look at this when we're allowed to. Yes, when we're allowed to, we will definitely be on the way there. I think they're just outside of Ballarat. It's one yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think. Who knows which right. is Ballarat or Bendigo? It's always. Yeah, unless you live there and don't add us, it's fine. We'll work it out. We'll make we'll get, sure we go to the right place. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they've described it as a garden of beer because they're going to grow hops, albeit untraditionally, with only three-meter trellises and then sideways stuff because um, of the wind, and they're going to have all the fruit and stuff um, around, and you can read more about that in the article we put up. I don't remember when. Sometime yeah. in the last month of lockdown. I am... Um, I don't love a lot of Della Bills like branding and stuff, but um, I've really enjoyed all their beers and I like their philosophies on stuff, so I'd be really interested in getting down there and trying that more. Yeah, it's fully off-grid as well, which is cool. Yeah. They, they do a lot of stuff right and in, interestingly and kind of fits the philosophy of their beers, I think. And I think the 40 people per day, and I think they're only open, they're open like less than one day a week across the year for licensing reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is to make it like a an educational experience almost. Like it's 
a very intimate experience for people who care. For, yeah, yeah, exactly. Who want it, want Trying to actually. encourage people who care, not people who come and get drunk. Yeah, oh, well, you can do that too. Yeah. Indies going online. Yeah, so the indies are doing, or the IBA are doing their indies online on November nineteenth. Uh, it'll be streamed in bars where they can open due to restrictions, etc. Um, and otherwise, it'll be on YouTube um, for those either not wanting or wary to go out or not allowed to go out. Logical, sensible, yeah, nice that smart. people can still get involved. Had to get it done. This seems clean and a nice way to, to do it. Yeah, good way to do it. Uh, Wilson Brewing Company, who we mentioned before as the winners of one of the local lover states, uh, hit our friends at Worst Beer Blog, which is not a place you want to hit. No, but did they want to hit this? Potentially. Oh, I, I didn't say egregious? it, to be honest. Uh, uh, okay, well, they just posted a photo of some tits and said, now that we've got your attention... Oh, that was it? them, was it? That was them. I should have known it was a small Australian brewery. <laughs> yeah. And it had the little HR, like, solutions tag in it. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. Um, getting sick of talking about these. Um, but I think the worst part about this was they then got Jessica Wilson, who's one of the founders, to apologise. Like, she signed it off. It's okay, guys. A woman did it. I mean, yeah, we that's make basically of... what they were going for. It was just a massive cop out, you know, fob off, disappear. <laughs> we make fun of marketers and stuff, but um, clearly they are needed in Australian breweries because most of them seem to have no fucking idea what they're doing. Yeah, like this is not something we should still be talking about. <laughs> yeah, no. So thumbs down to you, Wilson. Mornington social media. Yeah, I've noticed this the last couple of weeks. Um, there seems to be a bit of a community backlash against Mornington um, because the locals seem to have realised they're not brewing their beers in Mornington anymore. Well, that checks out, and I'm glad people are noticing. <laughs> yeah, but like they don't seem like they're hardcore craft guys or anything like that. It just seems to be people going, oh, but you're brewed in New South Wales now. Why? Yeah, well, maybe this is just something one of those things that's picked up. Uh, you know, a lot of the, we've seen quite a lot of these things pick up with not even strong craft beer communities. Um, the Black Arts thing was a good example. Yep. Uh, so, you know, taking their crusade. But this does seem fair enough. I mean, they advertise themselves as very Mornington and they're not so much anymore. So if they don't have a good answer for it, I think people can go ahead as long as it's constructive. Well, not even constructive. I, yeah, I think it's also level-headed. part of the COVID people buying into local and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, they certainly haven't done anything to... Not that they have to, but... They, they are still letting people think that it's all brewed there, I'm pretty sure yeah. is what I'm yeah. getting at. Um, so fair enough if people want to spread the word. Um, I also have seen a bit of backlash to the cans. People, uh, a lot of older gentlemen, um, really miss the stubbies. And I've seen a lot of people angry about that. Have they ditched stubbies completely? I don't know, but uh, people are having trouble finding them by the sounds Okay. Um, yeah. I they... wouldn't be surprised if they ditched them completely. Neither would I. Um, especially now that they've gone to Tribe, and Tribe. Production, yep. who are very big on cans. Um, just on Mornington quickly, uh, they are releasing a fourth core range beer next week, which is interesting because A, it'll be interesting to see what it is, but B, it basically confirms that their new core range is pale XPA brown question mark. Yeah, I saw that as well, which means that lovely IPA is gone. 
Yeah, so it's either going to be an IPA or a lager, you'd have to think. It's um, got to be a Nipah, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe a little squid. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting, like um, Pale and XBA, I don't know. These, these breweries, back in my day, you yeah. had one, one w- bit of beer. I would have gone with one or the other. Yeah. Um, they are pretty different, I think. Yeah. Um, that XBA is not bad. Pale is very nice. Yeah, I probably would have just gone with uh, just an interesting. It's a weird mix of styles. Like, here are two very similar beers and a brown ale. That's our core range. So, X, XPA was just the oh, what was that beer called? Hop culture or something? Yeah, yeah. Tastes a little bit different. Hop culture. I liked it more than hop culture. I only remember mm. because I didn't like hop culture very much. Um, but yeah, I think it basically is that. Probably yeah. just tweaked slightly. So yeah, well, uh, interesting to see what that is. Um, Cascade Brewery opening up Hobart Airport Bar. Um, they they're doing a little bit more recently with sort of customer facing stuff. Um, they've got a horrible looking render on Brews News. You can have a look at. But yeah, they um, it's basically just a bit of touristy wank, but pretty cool. Well, considering we had no airport bars, you know, brewery branded airport bars until I think what six months ago or something. Mm. Um. Very interested to see the little explosion in Australia of those. If I'm ever at Hobart Airport, I will have a beer there. As will I. Yeah, so congratulations. After probably having been to the Cascade Brewery while there. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you can still get Cascade Sout on tap. Last time I checked at the thing, so oh, it's worth it for that, is. if nothing else. <laughs> uh, Tinney's won another award. They won Best Low Alcohol beer for australia at the world beer awards which i think that is like uh cole's just like the sound of the world beer awards i don't know yep. if they're necessarily any more important than a lot of other big awards no i don't think so but it sounds good and the average consumer doesn't know any better also feeds into what we we're talking about before non-alcoholic stuff taking off this is 0.5 percent it is hoppy um i haven't tried one yet maybe we'll grab a couple and we can talk about it next time I think we may as well at 0.5. Yeah. The scent, it's not going to affect the quality. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, Tinny's a... Coles are trying a few things. Let's just put it that way. They're, they've got, you know, uh, Raspberry Chalk Milk Stout was the latest limited release. and That was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed that beer. It's Brick Lane. So they're pretty good beers. And we've said this before. They've, they've partnered with someone who can brew. That's good. They can fit the production they need. Uh, they're well-priced. I think it's yeah. good for everyone. It's uh, a good pairing all around. And if Tinny's takes off, that's great for everyone. It's certainly better than having um, uh, Dan's with Endeavour and Coles having their own kind of little contract brands that are with actual breweries is a much better option than just filling up the shelves of Squire and Yak, I think. Yeah, agreed. And finally, on the tasting panel, Cooper's Session Ale rebranded to Pacific Pale Ale. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Ambitious. Yeah. To call it that. Yeah. Um, Just an interesting little tidbit that they think that that'll sell more than Session Ale. I would take that to mean Session Ale's probably not selling that well. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assumption that they're trying to latch on to the Stone and Wood Pacific bandwagon. And, yeah, and like anecdotally, I, I don't know if the Hazy's doing super well either. A lot of people mm. have bought it once and not gone back to it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't see any... Anyone who knows what a Hazy IPA is probably isn't going to buy it again. Yeah, I mean... Because it wasn't super cheap. 
No, that's the thing. It's um, yeah, not really competing in any area. But I mean, at least they're trying stuff. I guess. Yep. Don't mind that. Good on them all. for trying to innovate. But there's a winner sitting in their arsenal that they haven't pulled yet. Yeah, they got an ace up their sleeve. Um, <laughs> Stouting cans. Yeah. Look, even dark ale. Just give yeah, it, give I'll us take it. <laughs> vintage, vintage ale in cans. Oh. oh. <laughs> let's let's get around it, Coopers. Um, all right. Well, that that does a fairly lengthy news segment, and we'll be back with what we are drinking. We are back with what we're drinking. Uh, first up on the docket, a couple of things from last podcast. Uh, the Two Bays Red Ale, so it's a gluten-free red ale, and I think we both said probably the first one of those that we've had. Yeah, I don't um, remember having something particularly malty um, as a gluten-free beer. Like mm. uh, The Two Bays do a brown ale, I think, but other than that, nothing's jumping out at me. Yeah, this does seem unique in that regard, and it's kind of... I don't know if it, what it, what it says, but it's this tastes Irish English. It's got this interesting sort of smoky thing going on. Yeah, um, I was just saying off mic. It's one of those situations where using gluten free malt bill like grains and such is probably actually working in their favour because you get this nice nuttiness. Um, mm. I think the body's not perfect, but yeah, cool little beer. That is, I think, the problem with gluten-free beers on the whole is the body can come across as a bit thin mm. so good for lighter styles but not so much for something that you want a bit denser but this is a pretty good effort um i think like most of their beers if you were given this you'd be pretty happy to drink it whether you were gluten intolerant or not uh, and well especially if you're gluten intolerant like this is this is nice yeah like, le- leagues out drink other beer yeah and even if you can i think it's pretty solid um, we also were going to talk about Easy As by Garage Project. I think I just mentioned that last time because I thought it would be very up your alley and you have had it. Yep, it was. I really liked it. You know, fruity, dank, citrus. It's hard to talk about hazies, but, um. Yeah. I wanted to know why it stood out to you. I stood out to, to me because I thought you would like it a lot. It reminded me of Sunrise Valley. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Pretty um, dank, loads of citrus. That yeah, checks out. <laughs> I just just thought it was very good, and it reminded me of Sunrise Valley, and I remembered how fond of that you were, and I thought yes. it was another winner. Um, and I was sort of interested because I see if you're as hot on it as I thought you'd be because I had it uh, in a growler, and I was wondering if I think I assume you had it out of a can. Yeah, I did. Uh, if that if it was still very nice, I assume it was. But it was. It was. <laughs> always good to check. Um, next up, we wanted to chat about the new Stone and Wood beer, East Point, which is intriguing. Uh, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. No, neither. So when I first heard they were releasing a low alcohol beer, I assumed we were looking at Pacific Ale Light. Me too, especially the way they described it. Um, I thought Garden Ale was their more English mild sort of, you know, their more sort of multi kind of offering in the mid-strength, and I thought this was going to be hey, here's our really light, refreshing, hoppy sort of thing. And it is light and refreshing, but it's a sour, and they don't really mention that anyway. No, they don't. And, like, it's bordering on Goza. Like, there's a little bit of something on the back end, which I thought might have been salinity. It does have salt in it, I think. It does? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, 
they mention it's like sea spray and stuff a lot. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, uh, it was a lot tarter than I thought it would be as well. Like once I wrapped my head around that, oh, they've done a sour, not a just a Pacific Hour light. Why did they go that tart? Yeah, I guess it's probably because it's um, I mean, it's not not aggressively tart, but it's more tart than you would expect for a two point seven percent, you know, beer from such a popular brewery. That doesn't mention it's tart, really. No, no, that's that's I think the most surprising thing. Uh, but from my point of view, I thought it was a great little addition to their library, and I would drink plenty of them. Yeah, it's it's something that I could see myself drinking a lot of. Yeah. Um, so I reckon give it a go if you're not sure what to think, what you think of them doing light beer because it's a little bit different. Um, just wanted to say thank you to Dan from The Oldest Promise for giving me a freebie so I could have a go at it. That was very kind and um, he was right because I said I was going to buy a slab and he said try it first and uh, yeah, look, probably good to try it first but I think I am leaning towards being happier to buy a slab now. I quite enjoyed it. And that's high praise in this current market. It's a sixteen. It's not. It's yeah. a. It's a. Uh, it's a mini slab. Yeah, still very well priced slab. Um, but yeah, it's look, more than one or a four pack. Maybe. That's true. Oh, I just think it's one of those things you're not going to be sad to have in the fridge over summer at any point. No, there's always a time for a two point seven percent little sour. Yeah, and they're going to hold up well too. There is a little bit of hop character in there, very light, but there is something. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that wasn't just some sort of lactic acidy, citrusy thing rather than a citrusy hop, but. They talk about it being having lightly hoppy, so I assume it's got a little dry yeah. hop in there. Yeah. Uh, could be a bit of both. Uh, Molly Rose Springtime, I, I haven't had this, but you wanted to mention it. Yeah, I reckon this is um, this is the sort of IPA that I would drink, not think about too much. You know, it's, as usual with these guys, they produce a really just super solid beer, um, good bitterness, tropical fruit. Citrus. Yeah. Similar to that last IPA of theirs they did, where it was just one of those mid to high five percenters that you'd put away all day. Yeah, I think this is six and a half or six four or something like that. Um, Not in outrageous yeah. territory still. No, it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's very much for me a drinking IPA, and I think that'll do really well for them. Yeah, cool. Um, it's a good market to hit. As long as you like bitterness. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, not a hazy, qualify. right? It's no, a, yeah. no, it's a, it's a, I'm not going to call it a West Coast, but it's Australian inspired. <laughs> Just one of those old Australian IPAs that was floating around, the yeah. uh, the crankshaft windjammer adjacent ones. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Wolf of the Willows XPA, I assume you've been getting back on these if they're back on the agenda. Uh, I bought a six pack the other day and just needed to shout out again how good this beer is. Why does it not get the love it deserves? It's a good question. I think the exposure isn't that great for it. Yeah. That's another place I want to check out when we're allowed out again. Yeah. They've moved into Albatross properly. Yeah, I'm, I'm very keen for that. Um, we will work something out with them. Um, I also wanted to, while we're on Wolf of the Willows, I had a homage, which I, I know we, we have differing opinions on, but um, very fresh and still very nice. That is sort of my version of that Molly Rose beer. That's a, that's a real drinking IPA, that one. Um, we'll have to revisit it one day because um, I remember you had a couple bad experiences with it, but um, I like it enough that I feel like there's just got to... You maybe have just had a couple bad ones or something. Yeah, I... 
I think the bottle I had, because that was back in their bottling days, was probably probably old. I do remember that we had one at the same time at the brewery, though, which does make it difficult. And I remember you didn't like it very much. Oh, Although okay. we had had a few at that stage. So Yeah, yeah. And by at, at the brewery, I mean at Bad Shepherd. At Bad Shepherd, yeah. Yeah. Uh, La Serene Single Barrel. So I think we talked about, I can't remember the number, but the red, and you had the 142 from a Carwin pack from memory. The one, possibly. Yep, yep. That was in the one, I think. And this is the Jester King one? This is the Jester King one. So they released, I can't remember what that beer is called, something about with Jeff or something. Uh, is it just beer with Jeff? Could be. Yeah. Could be. Um, so this is the a barrel that they thought was so unique they had to keep aside from that offering, but it's that base beer. Yep. And so it's just the, you know, basically the difference is what the barrel's done to it. Um, and I reckon this may be the best Australian beer I've ever had. It's similar to, I, I was close to that with the other one that I had too, so it's great to hear that that's, yeah. Held through. And I have managed to get myself a red, so that will I will taste that at some point. Yeah, we'll have to try, we'll have to, try to track down a still and try that too. We should um we should for a cellar we should we should grab a still and um grab a brucella. Oh. <laughs> just just go all out. Look, honestly, that sounds. I reckon we could just about justify that first post podcast post lockdown. Yep, I think we can do that. I, I think we've um we've put it put it on air now, so it has to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've put a lot of other things on air that haven't happened, but that's COVID's fault, not ours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all COVID's fault. Um. But yeah, the complexity in that beer is just, it's, it's stunning. Was it uh, teeth shatteringly tart, like the red? No, no, it was tart, but it wasn't, you weren't worried about your enamel. Yeah. But that, that's good though. That means that they're, they're quite different. They're not all just like, they're not like, uh, love them, but they're not just like brewery terror sort of things. No, no, there's some sort of, especially some of their other stuff, there's some subtlety to some of them that is... Yeah, lacking yeah. in some other breweries. It should be an interesting golden pint this year and probably going to be a lot of last serene love. Um, I still want to track down a Passiflora, Passiflora. Um, Which one was that? That was uh, a single barrel aged, I think it was just like a golden wild sour they did and they got a crap load of fresh passion fruit and they just chucked them together and that sounds amazing to me. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, um, that is doing the round still, but I think it's the last few bottles around, so I probably need to track one down sooner rather than later. Sort that out sooner rather than later. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll have to look into that. Um, exit, IPA, double IPA. Just before we get into it, I just want to mention something really cool that the rep told me, which I didn't know they'd done. So they still had a lot of older stock kicking around, so they have actually just got the new labels and put them over the top so they don't waste the cans. Oh, that's cool. So they've used... I think Bruce News always talk about rallings for that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically put a shrink sleeve over the top of it. Yeah, and it's, it's cool. Um, I, I think that's a great idea, and it's a good way not to waste old cans. Um, yeah, exactly, because you pay good money for them. So Yeah, it's just a shame the new cans don't look that good. Yeah, yeah. So last time I think we talked briefly about Akasha and their average rebrand. Mm. <laughs> Um, and that the saving grace was that the beer was still good. Uh, and I feel exactly the same way here. I think their old branding was crap. Their new branding is pretty crap. 
I think that's the difference too. Akasha's branding was totally fine, I think. Yeah, I don't understand why they did that. Um, whereas Exit's branding was crap. Um, I And I don't think... This is not bad branding. This is bad beer branding, I think. I think this would make a great government agency. This would be yeah. a great green initiative for a local government. If you It'd playing. be a good pathology company. Yeah, like that's exactly. What, that's the exactly. spectrum we're talking. We're just not talking a beer brand. My, my mate said uh, like a... Uh, driving school like a transport company and i was like yeah yeah, I can yeah it's that. in it's in that ballpark like if that was the bus logo you'd be like yes totally yep. get it multiple rings yep <laughs> yeah and so i don't think it looks bad it just is not a great beer branding but who yep. knows maybe eventually I, i've said to you a couple of times off air i'll wait and see the pale and the saison um they might look see better it all with together brighter yep. colors and things problem is it's green and dark green and it just adds to that feel of you know boring made by committee logos and i think they but i think they took the best part of their branding out of it which was the you know the exit guy yeah so if they left that logo and had the rest i think it would be fine yeah because that logo was great yeah i don't quite understand um i reckon that is one of the best core core range ipas in the country yeah um i Um, totally agree yeah but i just I, i looked at my untapped before i've only had four I think that was my second that I've had. Yeah, I assume I just don't buy it because I don't like the branding. Like, I don't understand why I think so highly of the beer, but just don't have it. It's the same with, like, the Saison. Like, I bang on about it all the time. I've only had five of them. Um, It's one of those things where I I see them a lot at bad times. They're not at the kind of places where you will buy an exit, if that makes sense. They're not on tap at enough places. They are at craft shops that are pretty niche craft a lot of the time that have big yep. ranges if you get what i mean like yeah just where there's more interesting stuff there um i think now that they're moving into the bigger bottle shops assuming they're fresh probably going to buy them a bit more um i yeah we always go on about exit we are big supporters of wheat gang especially um yeah i think we generally drink ambers and lagers and stuff when we're there though yeah and occasionally weird bottles from behind the bar mm. <laughs> In terms of exit stuff, so, though, like we when we go there, yeah. we'll, we'll often have a Amber pale saison. or an Anver or a Saison. Yeah, yeah. Um, we usually have something exit, but uh, yeah, I think I'll definitely be drinking more of this. Um, I didn't It have... was tasting awesome. Like, I, I can't stress enough how much I enjoyed the beer. I just dislike the branding. Yeah, and yeah, cannot stress enough that we are big supporters of uh, yeah. exit. And um, it's, yeah, this is meant to be constructive. But it's shit. Um, <laughs> on to uh, another double IPA that is coming back into Australia. Yep. <laughs> and also has new branding. Uh, Liberty Citra is back around. Or to use its proper name, exclamation mark Tra. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd had this before. Yeah, well, uh, it's a long time since I'd had them, and I saw you gave me one for my birthday. Yeah. Uh, that was the, I think I said to you, the only five-star beer on your untapped that I could track down at reasonably short notice. Um, Which is, yeah. Five-star beer is a five-star beer. And look, I can totally see why this is a, an awesome double IPA. It's very much in that New Zealand mould of double IPAs as well. You know, crystal clear, enough malt. Um but still just loaded with hops. Yeah, I thought it was um, fantastic. Probably the best double IPA I've had since the Pliny we had. 
it, which says everything. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if we need to say much more about it, but it's back around. I think it's stocked at some big stores. Yeah, it was at first choice, I think, exclusively for a while, and now it's slowly making its way out into... It's at Dan's, yeah. And, yeah, Otters and all them too. Um, quickly touch on Ida Prool, which is the new West Side offshoot. So we had a bit of trouble figuring out what this was. Tez produced at West Side on there, um, heard that it was one of the West Side Brewers side projects. So we're going to say it's West Side adjacent for now. Yep. We'll find we'll out. We'll find out more. Yeah. Uh, but basically just wild sort of stuff. Uh, I assume we're going to play with barrels and stuff too. First release was a like a 4% golden or something? Yeah, so that's the one I had, 4.1% wild golden ale aged in Shiraz barrels. That's um, Really cool beer. Uh, really cool, 4.1% doing a lot. Um, kind of tastes like some other West Side sales I've had, but more complex. Yeah. I was, um, yeah, pretty into it. It was really interesting. I will keep an eye out for what they do and clearly have got a bit of thought put into it and someone behind it who is you know into the whole wild thing so should be good i'm keen to see where that goes and um it's just interesting because it popped up and was just kind of like what is this yeah and there was a lot of confusion whether it was its own thing or whether it was just a west side beer or what was going on there and the answer is somewhere in the middle yeah and so we will find out more and report back yeah uh, slow Lane Old Russet. I just want to mention this quickly because if you've got one, I'd probably hold on to it for a bit longer. <laughs> um, I do have one sitting in my box of beer. Yeah, so really nice beer. Uh, probably needs a bit more time. Okay. is This is the Flandersy style thing. Old Bruin thing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a little bit roasty, just needs more acidity. It's very promising. Okay, that's that's fun. I'm pretty excited about what they're doing. They're also on the list if we when we go to Sydney in the... Yeah, look, I think that's going to have to happen at some point. Um, Mountain Cultures Matching Pyjamas. Just thought I'd mention this because, you know, it's another high paisy, but we both had it, so why not? And it was awesome. Yeah, it is very good. <laughs> that's, that's also worth mentioning. Um, yeah, there's not a lot more to say about that, but Mountain Culture are doing great work. They're expanding their production... Yeah, but about fivefold, I think. Yeah, so hopefully see a bit more stuff like this. Um, yeah, look, I, I thought this was fantastic. One of the better sort of juice bombs I've had recently, and I've had a lot. I, re- I reckon it was the best of the oat cream IPAs I've had. Mm. It was very, very well balanced. And so much mango. Just yeah, so much mango. <laughs> and it's um, it hits that perfect sweet spot of being big, but not being not being too big, not too ridiculous. Right on yeah, the edge. What, what was it, seven-ish? Yeah, like ABV, but also in terms of sweetness and body yeah. being too syrupy. I think it hits I, all I thought of it those. balanced well. Yeah, like, it's right on the edge. Um, in that sort of crushable range, not in yeah. that sort of undying range. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Black Hops Flashbang, just wanted to mention this because it was a white IPA that I liked, and there's not many of those. No, there are not. Um, and when they're good, they're very good. So. Yeah, this was very and, good. Black Ops are the sort of brewery who'd be able to do it. Yeah, and they, they clearly they are very fond of this recipe, and I can see why. It's really good. Excellent. I think, finally, Carl and Collaborational, we're not going to talk about it now. We will have a separate podcast where we will, I think we'll make it a standalone, run through it, have a good chat. So if you want to hear about that, we'll talk about it in depth, and if you don't, then you don't have to. 
Yeah, leave it alone. But I think that's the way to do do that justice rather than rushing through it here. Yep, agreed. Um, and yeah, I think that's it for what we're drinking. Yep, I'm um, done. Yeah, uh, so we will be back to finish up with the ranking of lagers. We are back with the ranking of lagers. Every episode we will take between one and three lagers. At the moment we're doing one. We will slot them into a master list. This is the biggest lager from the country of origin, uh, possibly up for debate. We generally use untapped check-ins or just general cultural impact. Uh, top five at the moment, Pilsner Urkel from the Czech Republic, Tenants from Scotland, Carlsberg from Denmark, Kilmez from Argentina, and Kingfisher from India. And the bottom five are Red Stripe from Jamaica, Bintang from Indonesia, Vonu from Fiji, Kuskenya from Peru, and Pabst Blue Ribbon from Contractville. Uh, so yeah, still got a, got a new one in the bottom five there, but otherwise top five still relatively intact. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a new one. That's fine. Um, it's all just a rich tapestry that we're creating. Um, <laughs> this month we've got Lion from Sri Lanka. Yeah, so um, Lion Brewery is a behemoth in Sri Lanka. They've got about 80% of the market share. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, started as Salon Brewery in 1849 as part of the, the cottage industry there, um, catering for the British tea plantations. Um, it became a proper commercial entity in 1881 um, before being bought by an Indian brewery called Mohan Meekin in 1884. Since then, it's changed hands numerous times um, before settling into its current state, which is a 25% stake held by Carlsberg uh, in 1996, what which is shock. also when the brewery was renamed from Salon Brewery to Lion Brewery. There you go. Um, I don't know. I think Lion would be a great name if, you know, there wasn't the spectre of Lion. Yeah. Nathan hanging over it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I. this is a cool one to try. I think it's um, one of those ones that makes a lot of sense to try in this list. Don't know if you'd have any arguments for with 80% market share in terms of nope. this being the, the one to do. Nope. So there's a couple – there's one other big player – uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, but they do bison gold or something as yep. well as a heap of like anchor and um, tiger products. I might be wrong, but I reckon I have had a lion stout before, but not yeah. a lager. I don't know if that's yeah. a thing. But lion yeah. stout makes it out here more than the lager. That um, checks out. But the lager sells a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the stats almost nine percent. I think it's a big. Yeah, I think I got big, it at a like restaurant or something, stat. and yeah. Um, this is also worth mentioning. This is quite a fresh bottle, which is a good find. Yeah, super fresh. Like I think it's three or four weeks old. Yeah, which is remarkable for this segment. Um, Although also remarkable that Sri Lanka gets beer to Australia in that, you know, quicker time. Yeah. Look, um, I guess we do enough trade with them or something. Probably. <laughs> Just chuck Still, it in. Three, three weeks is quick. That's that is, different. yeah. <laughs> struggle to get stuff from Victoria in three weeks at the moment. Well, at the moment. <laughs> um, so, I mean, my first impression, it looks nice. Um, I actually physically recoiled on my first sip, but I think it's settled down a little bit. 
It's a bit of a change from the red ale we were drinking. Yeah. Um, it's a macro-ass macro lager. Um, yeah. is corn, there is corn. Yeah. Not uh, unpleasant metallic extracty bitterness, though, I don't think, which is no. nice. No, Good. that's not there. Um, there's no skunk, which you wouldn't expect in three weeks. Yeah, you'd hope not. Also, brown bottle helps yep. slightly. Yep. Um, it's a little on the sweet side. Yeah, it is a little bit. Not awful, though. Um, basically, no nose, just a slight corny, cardboardy thing. Yeah, corn, cardboard. Those classic um, macro descriptors. Um, nice, like, little bit of, like, lacing with the head. Yep. Um, yep. Good retention, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's clearly well-crafted, like most of these macro luggers are. Yep. Um, oh, a, boy. <laughs> yeah, not, not another one where there's not too much to say. I think we'll just jump off and we'll be back with a rating for you. Alright, we have decided to put this in shock horror, just above the middle. Um, this is dethroning Sisk from last episode. I think it was last episode. Um, at 13th spot. So, just above Sisk, just below Heineken. Another one of those ones that doesn't reach any great heights, but isn't terrible. No, no, it's one of these beers that, you know, it's a, you'd enjoy. It's a macro lager. If you're feeling like a macro lager, you wouldn't be offended if you were handed this. Yeah, it's one of those many ones, many sort of macro lagers where you could give it to me if I, if I said I'd like a beer, and it's like, this is a beer. Yeah, and that's exactly what this is. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. There is like a little bit of body and stuff. It's not totally boring. It's not watery or anything. Um, it's just not super interesting. Yeah, and a lot of these aren't, but it's not like, it's not so clean and refreshing that it reaches anything above being uninteresting, I guess. It it need it, if it had more bitterness, I think it would be elevated. That's what I'm leaning towards. Probably ten percent more bitterness, just to balance out that touch of extra sweetness that possibly doesn't need to be there. Yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. But you know, pretty happy with it. Pretty solid. Pretty macro. Yep, I think it's all of those. It's the sort of beer you would drink after doing gardening yeah yeah it's um i mean theoretically i'd probably just you know throw back a few stone and wood east points nowadays but um you know what i mean it, yeah i get what you yeah. mean it's definitely one of those lawn murray beers if it's 40 degrees it's gonna be nice yeah which is probably why it's got a big market share in sri lanka exactly um i think that just about does us for tonight i think so we've done well yeah, so this is... It's good to be back. We'll be trying to be back on regularly scheduled thing. We'll probably have that Carlin collaboration or one, uh, you know, at some point in the near future. Before when you'd normally expect us, probably. Yes, I think that's the idea. I think that's the idea. Um, and, yeah, so we'll have that. Otherwise, we will speak to each other next time and speak to everyone else... Soon. Yes. Uh, as always, you can get in touch with us at angus at beeroclockaustralia.com.au. That's the one. <laughs> or dot .com. Dot .com, not, yep. 
Uh, and Dylan at BerryCallAustralia.com. We would always like to hear from you. Um, if you have any suggestions, feedback, etc. Um, if anyone wants to sponsor the podcast, as someone wanted to this week, yeah, we're all for that. Um, don't quite hit the 10,000 download threshold or whatever, but... um, One day. Yeah, we'll probably do it for a six-pack. Um, <laughs> if that. <laughs> but yeah... Um, if you want to give us a review or subscribe or anything like that, that is always greatly appreciated. We're going for a deep finals run in the Aussie Beer Pods uh, Championship next year, so we need all the help we can get. But um, we we did well for considering we do monthly, yeah, weekly, um, and we do appreciate all the support. So thank you very much, everyone, and stay safe. And we'll be back soon. Yep. See you all next month. Goodbye. <laughs>